And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. We're back again to talk some extremely entertaining hoops that are not boring. And with a team that has a crap ton, a plethora of talent, and definitely doesn't rely on undrafted free agents. Welcome to the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I'm your host, LJ Cascon. I have Harry. Hot take Harry. He's back again. We have Alex. If it ain't foreign, it's born Maserati. Y'all already know the vibes. And then, obviously, Jamari Bouye, enjoyer. The thunder from down under, my boy George. And we are back again. And you better enjoy this episode, too, because we have nine days off until the Heat play again. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, depending on your narrative. That's just a fact. So you probably won't hear from us again for the next nine days, which, again, depending on whether or not you like us or not, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. So let's start with the week cap. I usually go a little bit deeper on the week caps, but that is not going to be the case because this time we have a lot of the of repetition, let's say. The Heat had a close win over the Pacers, and then they followed it up with seemingly an identical game with another close game over the Houston Rockets. And then to switch things up, they blew out the Orlando Met. No, I'm just fucking kidding. You know what team I'm talking about. It was another close, close, close nail-biting game that required to erase a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit in Orlando against the Magic for them to win. And then they actually did play the Nuggets relatively well, but it, it still ended in a loss. The same way, a game that had the same kind of vibes as the, the game in Denver did too, to where they flirt with it a little bit, where you think they're going to beat the Nuggets, the number one team in the West. And then Kerplunk, they wind up dropping the ball in the fourth quarter. Speaking of dropping the ball in the fourth quarter, last night against Brooklyn, Mikel Bridges dropping his nuts all over the heat, 45 career high. Like no one could stop him for the defense that's apparently top two in the league. I don't know. I didn't see it. The Heat again, out of all the games I just listed, the top point total that the Heat had was 116 against the Pacers. Since then, they have broken 100 every single time, minus once, which was against the worst events in the league in the Houston Rockets, which is kind of an anomaly, which is really funny as well. But then they scored 107 against the Magic, 108 against the Nuggets, and 105 against the Nets. They are allergic to breaking 110. They are allergic to breaking over their season average of whatever it is now, 108 probably is what it's still hovering at. That, that's just... That, that was the week cap, boys. We all know what this team is. I'm not going to harp on it any longer. We're, we're going to get into the, the addition by subtraction mentality that the Heat had at this deadline. Because the Heat told us at the beginning of the season that they liked their team. They didn't lie to us. They, they doubled down and said, you thought we were lying. We actually love this team because they made zero additions to their team during the trade deadline. The lone move being dumping um, fan favorite Dwayne Dedman using an apparently valuable second round pick to do so. Apparently everyone loves second round picks now. And we had to shed one to get off of a contract that was originally signed for salary matching purposes, but that's neither here nor there. A deal that was originally made to be a salary match, a deadline passed and just one of three teams Miami was that did not add a player during the deadline. The other two being Cleveland and Orlando or uh, Cleveland and Chicago. Orlando hasn't made a move in God knows how long along with Miami too, prior to sending off Mo Bamba to LA, but what do you guys take away from a trade deadline that, in my opinion, is, is likely one of the most neglectful deadlines in recent Heat memory when you factor in context and expectations? Harry, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll take it. Um, I don't know. I think I was a little confused only because the night before the trade deadline, 
Um, the Lakers basically reshaped their roster for, I think it was like one first round pick and a couple second round picks. And the, the first round pick was so weirdly protected. I didn't really understand if Danny Ainge knew what he was doing. So um, I just think there's this weird issue with the heat where people are saying, man, they shouldn't be giving up assets if it's to dump contracts. But the problem is that um, this team isn't going to have much of a choice. Uh, they can't go another summer without making any moves and they can't pretend that this team is good enough. We all know uh, that this team wasn't it. We knew that from the, we knew that from the end of last season, we were like, they have to make moves. Other people agreed with us, but when the heat decided uh, they weren't going to do anything, people changed their tune. And so what, and the tweet I was making and people got mad at me, but it's going to be true. The heat are going to go two full years uh, without making a trade to acquire a player without making a trade to acquire a guy making more than the minimum. Uh, without adding a free agent that wasn't already on the roster. Right. So I'm talking, I'm basically talking from the Kyle Lowry trade, which is like the first thing that happened in um, free agency of 2021. So July, 2021, the heat are not going to add to a roster that had Jimmy as one of the best postseason players, bam, as a rising star, um, whatever you think about hero, he's obviously their best trade piece and they're going to do nothing. They don't have the size. They don't have the strength. They don't have the talent. They don't have the athleticism. And they're probably going to fizzle out in the first round. Maybe they can make it to round two. And I think for most fans, um, you know, people will post pictures of Andy in front of the three championship trophies and Pat Riley with all his rings or, um, you know, Spo is the greatest coach. And, you know, that's great. Um I'm appreciative of the championships we have. It's, you know, as a Heat fan, I had a great time celebrating those. Uh, we're going on 10 years, guys. 10 years of no championships. Um, you know, I understand the finals bubble run was fun. I got a hot take for you. I think that bubble run completely fucked us. I think they looked at that team and thought they were a lot closer than they were. They looked around and have not made any real moves. Um, haven't signed anybody, haven't really brought in any help for Jimmy, haven't brought in any help for Bam. Um, ended up re-signing Hero, I think, because they were nervous about um, going to the market with him or what this team would be if he wasn't signed. All those things were a mistake. Um, That's what, just to jump in real quick, that a team, like you said, they have run back the same exact core since 2019. That's an issue. A, a core that got swept in the first round, albeit, you know, their context is necessary when you determine that the finals were played near in like October and then the season started in December. Like, obviously, that, that season is a little bit of an outlier, admittedly so. But by the same token, again, yeah, the core made it to the finals in the bubble. The core made it to the Eastern Conference finals last year. But this, this is a core that has Duncan Robinson in it. You can't run a core that has Duncan Robinson in it for four straight years with, with barely any additions. L I mean, let's just rattle it off here. I'm sure you'd be happy to do that. Who'd they add after the bubble? They had my, or not Myers Leonard. Well, I mean, they resigned Myers Leonard, Mo Harkless. Who else? Who else was an addition to that team? They drafted Avery, Bra Avery Bradley, obviously Avery wasn't. Bradley. And the thing is, the funny part about that season is even though it didn't work out at all and they were tired, like, 
they made okay moves at the deadline to see if it, what they could do. Like they brought in Oladipo for cheap. I don't care what anyone says. Like trading Olenek at the time for Oladipo was the right move. Um, they did a pick swap that never even materialized because uh, they ended up behind the Nets the season after. Um, they, but but I think it's like since then, right? So they basically realize that that team wasn't it. They added PJ Tucker who really helped the team last year and was, um, was a huge boon to the team. And they got a decent, a decent regular season from Kyle Lowry, like nothing spectacular. I don't know what people go back and they pretend that he was this amazing player. He was, he was decent in the regular season. He was decent, especially, um, especially when, um, sorry, especially when the, the main guys were out. So, that's really what they've done. They they re-signed Duncan to a deal that is absolutely horrific. They traded for Lowry, which is biting us in the butt right now. And they have not done anything else. So we're sitting here um, at this point. It's February 16th, 2023. They are, they are not going to be able to make any moves with this team until at least probably around the draft, which is end of June. So that's four months from doing absolutely anything. And... They're banking on guys wanting to play here off the buyout, even though, you know, what do we have? The 10th or 11th best record in the NBA. Like there's 10 other teams that make more sense than the heat. And there's probably five to six other teams that have much higher championship odds. So um, they have a lot of work to do. They have to rehab their image around the league and with fans and probably with Bam. Most importantly, they have to figure out what they're doing to make him want to stay. You know, he has three years left on his contract. And we're kind of in really crappy no man's land at this point. So I'll let everyone else say their piece. Yeah. Before they do, it's again, this is what, this is, this is the footprint that, that we've left so far is this fan base as well as the team is so drained. We are so thirsty for any kind of entertainment, any kind of, offensive firepower, any kind of change. We are deprived of it so badly that people were on the timeline. Motherfuckers were on the timeline applauding the return of Duncan Robinson the other night. And it's it's me. I'm motherfuckers because I am so deprived. I have absolutely no entertainment value from this team right now that I was like, yeah, sure. Bring back Duncan. Let's see what he can do because his, his value's in the toilet. It can't get any lower by playing him. So it's it, it still makes sense, especially while Tyler Hero was out too to play Duncan Robinson, but he gave you, Harry, you said on the timeline too, you, you gave, uh, you know, uh, you threw some shit at the wall and said, and thought it might stick. It turns out it stuck about your stat line guess for Duncan, because he had six points, four fouls. I think it was, it was a zero plus minus. So I guess that's pretty good, but two for seven. I mean, he is what he is. And you, you just have to sit and sit in its musk. So let, let, let's go on to George or, or, or Alex, whichever one wants to take it, lob it up to either of you. What do you make of the trade deadline at all? Was it good? Was it bad, George? What did you think? It, it, it rides on both aspects at the end of the day. This team has pushed me to the drink, and now I am um, I am an alcoholic when it comes to the Miami Heat. It, it is, it's aged me terribly because I have to read between the lines of what they're doing at the same time as not making moves and how frustrating it can be. I, I can't help but think as well that it might have been the right move at the time to try and, you know, to, to, to really sit there and assess what you have. But in the same breath, l- the fact that now Max Struess is unsigned and he's coming out of contract, as as well as Gabe, 
as well as um, Omega 7. These are uh, assets that you have that you haven't tied down, which means they're not movable unless it's in a side on trade. And um, and it leaves you baffled at the same time. Like, what's there were reports coming out that the Timberwolves were looking closely at Max Struess and were interested in him. And for the Miami Heat not to even look towards trying to get something for him, where you can now possibly lose him for nothing, is it's it's mind boggling. I, I don't know where the team goes from here in terms of um, those three players I'd previously mentioned, but the road is long. The journey's arduous, and they're going to have to undertake it. At the same, like, and and as much as I want to say that you know it's a lost cause and stuff like that, we were a lost cause before Jimmy Butler got here as well. We we're a lost cause. So I'm not saying that it's impossible to turn it around because it's never impossible. Um, can they use this core to win a championship? I don't know. I don't think so, from what I've seen, unless there's an almighty push from Bam and Abayo to be the best player in the playoffs while Jimmy performs the way he does. I'm not even talking about this season. I'm talking about for seasons to come as well. Tyler Hero, for me, isn't the fitting piece. I feel, feel like the timeline just isn't there for him. He's just not the player that we need. He's a good development piece in, in, over the last few years, and he's been good offensively, but he's lackluster defense. And the inability to even, you know, be a serviceable defender on, on in any aspect has really hurt the team. When he's out there offensively, he looks somewhat decent some nights. Some nights he takes too many shots and he looks terrible. It happens happens a lot, and his mental gets in the way. I would much rather them look towards trying to move him in the offseason um, for a bigger player, but at the same time, the chances are that there's not going to be a player like that that becomes available. Because when you look at what the Nets did with Kevin Durant, they were hamstrung by the end of it. Kevin Durant had asked for the trade to Phoenix, and there was a few days left in the in the trade deadline, or a couple of days, and they took what they could get. The Miami Heat are never going to do that. I'm going to be, you know, realistic in, in in a sense, looking at what the Heat's options are, because blowing it up is just not an option. They're never going to do that. So what? Where do they go from here? I feel like they'll look towards other players if they became available. The Bradley Bills of the world, you know, these types of players. Even though we've been down that same track a bunch of times, but as it currently stands, the Heat had a lot of cards to play come trade deadline. These moves wouldn't have been championship caliber moves, but it would have set your team up a lot better coming forward, you know, moving forward. You got players like Kyle Lowry who are now, you know, claiming that there's an injury and he's not playing. I think there's more behind that. I think that there's more of an emotional uh, damage instead of a physical damage to him where he can't play. So now you've got a $30 million contract, 27, 28, whatever you want to say, million dollar contract sitting on the bench. You've got a player in Tyler Hero who's now going to be getting, you know, 27 to 30 million next year. You've got Duncan Robinson at 18, 18 million who went two of seven last night and there's everyone claiming that he was their Lord and Savior. These are close to, what there's close to 70 to $80 million worth of contracts there. I, I, and these players are either not playing or not playing well enough. So they're they're, they're going to have to do something. You know, they recognize the position they're in. I don't feel like they're dumb. I don't feel like they 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 think that there's no way out. But I would like to see where the road ends. That's for sure. 
I agree. There's they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and it's all self-inflicted, which makes it more irritating because they've they've shown to make these mistakes time and time again. And and while they were able to get themselves out of that jam, like you said, with with Josh Richardson, when they were able to get Jimmy, albeit you know he wanted to be here, so it did make things a little bit easier. The same way KD specifically requested Phoenix, so it made things a little easier on the Nets to get a pretty decent package back, but. It is what it is. It would just be nice for them to not make the same mistakes over and over and over again. They've shown that they can get out of it, but it's like, why Why even hamstring yourself to having to, to jump through a million flaming loops when you literally could just be smarter with how you give out contracts and stop outbidding yourself? Because at the end of the day, that's what they did for Kyle Lowry. That's what they did for Duncan. It's like all these contracts, they're really not you know, bidding against a numerous amount of other teams. It's mainly just themselves. So to offer all these guaranteed monies and all these high figures for older players and unproven players, it's just tough. So Alex, go, go ahead. Say your piece on the trade deadline before we get things moving closer to the buyout market. So honestly, I love this organization for a lot of reasons why people have brought up in the timeline. Harry, you were talking about how people, a lot have been posting, you know, Andy Ellisberg with the three ring with, you know, the three trophies talking about, Hey, Hey, Hey. Things are down right now. We can all admit that. But let's not forget what this organization has done for you over the last, you know, what, 20 or 30 years? Harry brings up an excellent point. 10 years ago was the last time we won a championship. I was 13 years old. I am closer to turning 30 than I am to the last time the Heat won a championship. The number one song in the world, which I mentioned on my Twitter, the last time the Heat won a championship, was Thrift Shop by Macklemore. This is multiple presidencies ago. This organization, to me, feels extremely out of touch with the modern NBA and very stuck in their ways. It is giving old guy at Thanksgiving table saying things aren't just what they used to be. Like, it is I, – I don't know, man. Like, they – people want to talk about these championships, and I'm like, show me the championship that the Miami Heat won doing nothing, not making a move, free agency or trade. Like, this is – they know the formula. They had the formula. They gutted the roster for Shaquille O'Neal. They made things work to get LeBron James here. You you did whatever it took. You had that opportunity again in the offseason. You had a superstar. Then, then, you know, we have reporters, right, saying, well, the Heat need, because of their lack of assets, a player to come out and say, I want to play here. Donovan Mitchell was saying, I wanted to play here. That's what he was doing. He was in Miami. He's not from here, has no connections to the city. He was playing in the Pro-AM with Bam Adebayo on podcasts talking about how I thought it was done. You had the opportunity. You didn't make the move. It's like they took the Tyler Johnson lesson and they got scared, but in the reverse way. The lesson should have been, we should have let him go. Not we should have paid him earlier and gotten, you know, tried to save some pennies because that's what they did. They paid Duncan because they got scared somebody else would take him. They paid Tyler early because they thought somebody else would take him for too much money and they'd have to match. But in reality, you just overplayed your hand and you completely misjudged what other people thought of your players. And when you do have a guy like Kevin Durant, who, yes, he requested Phoenix, but first it was Phoenix and Miami. You can't get it done because you already paid. You already messed up. And when you want to take Pat Riley's whole body of work, which a lot of people would like to point out on Twitter, which does include all the way back to whatever, 1995, the whole body of work needs to include the last 10 years, which is outside of Jimmy Butler, handing out the most amount of bad contracts in the NBA. What organization has given out 
more bad contracts since, since 2016 than the Miami Heat. Maybe the Knicks. And I don't even think so. I really don't. I don't think the Knicks. When you take in James Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, all these dudes, and you add in Duncan Robinson, I'm putting Tyler Hero in there, man. I am as of right now. He is not some plus asset that can get you a superstar player. He couldn't get you Kevin Durant. He couldn't get you any of these guys you think you can get. Like, it's just, I don't know, man. We feel out of touch. Not making moves, not keeping flexibility, paying guys to, like, get back to what we were doing to win. The formula has not changed. Talented players, good coaching, and a location that they want to play in. We have gotten away from this. That's what heat culture should be. Fix it. Because this is not working anymore. The undrafted work your ass off to get to the five seed, to get one shot away, whatever you want to say is fine. And for the people on Twitter who are like, oh my God, says the same people who are talking about how great it is that the Miami Dolphins got bounced in the first round. The Miami Dolphins, Miami Marlins, and Miami Heat have hung the exact amount of same championships since 2013. Zero. Zero. Nobody has won. Nobody. Since I was in high school. So let's not act like this Heat are still this gold standard organization. They are not anymore. That's the Golden State Warriors. That's the gold standard of the, of the NBA right now. That's the best run organization in the NBA. It's not us anymore. And we're going to talk about the buyout market, but it's going to be really interesting to see. And Harry, you brought this up. Do people still want to play here? Do people still view Miami as this destination that the Heat think it is? I don't know. I don't know. People are picking the Clippers over the Heat. People are picking the Bulls over the Heat. People used to pick, you know, when KD was there, the Nets over the Heat. Locations that Miami were clearly far than better than in years past. It feels like we are behind the eight ball so much. We don't draft well, necessarily. We don't hand out contracts well. And now we don't make trades well. What does this front office do well right now in the modern NBA? You have to ask that question, and that's someone who is very grateful for what the Heat have done, considering what the Miami sports landscape has been since I've been born. But that doesn't make it right that this team over the last 10 years has been very poorly managed. And if Jimmy Butler did not come here, where would we be at? Where? I don't know. The other thing I just wanted to mention, I thought uh, Alex made a very good point, is that so – I think as long as fans see some type of direction or some type of thing that the team is striving for, they can deal with like a lean year or some down years. Uh, I mean, if you guys remember the two years before they got LeBron and Bosch to come down here, those Wade teams were horrible. They were really bad. And people were saying, I think even um, Stu Gatz had been like, they're, they're, they are ruining Dwayne's career. Like, I think that was like a statement that he made on the radio. And it was, people were questioning them. Like, what are they doing? Why aren't they bringing anyone in to help Wade? Wade was, I I still think uh, Wade not getting the 2009 MVP is one of the biggest snubs in NBA history. Like, he was, at the time when LeBron came down here, there was a legitimate question about, about us having the top two players in the NBA. And it wasn't, it wasn't an absolutely sure thing that LeBron was the best. I mean, Wade was that good, um, especially after that season. So I guess it was the 0809 season for Wade would have been the one I'm referring to. Um, and, but they had a plan and the plan came to fruition and they signed uh, 
Bosch and LeBron, and it became probably some four of the best years you'll ever find for a sports franchise in history. And the way that they played, the cover, like everything was crazy. Um, but they had a plan and they executed it. I don't know what that plan is right now. I don't understand what they want to do. I didn't get the Deadman contract if they needed a second to dump it. Um, I'm confused about who they're going to get in the buyout market simply because it's not just about like if they can get people here. It's like, why are they coming to Miami, right? Usually guys would come here to get into a good system, be well coached, have a shot to win, and hopefully recoup some money on the other end. I don't know if you're doing that in Miami. It's not like the Heat are going to have that much money to sign them if they come here and everything works out that well. And so that's kind of where we're at. So, and that's, that's the biggest thing with the trade deadline. I don't care if they didn't want to add anybody. That's, they didn't have to, but they had to sell then because you saw how many second round, you know, how popular second round picks were on the market this year. And the fact that the Heat have basically, I think they have like one actual of one of their own and one that could convey in 2026 from the KZ Akpala trade. So they don't have a lot of assets to do anything. And if they're not going to buy them at the draft, if they're not going to sell off these undrafted guys to recoup assets, um, all they're doing is competing every year to be a second-round exit, most likely. Uh, and I just think that's where we are. And why are we here? Like, tanked? That's what we were all saying at the beginning of the season. Like, tank this year. Who cares? Mm -hmm. If you get a good pick in this year's draft, you're right back in it next year. But now it's like they're and like swallow your pride. Golden State did it. They did it. They were terrible. And no one was like, oh my God, this is this is just completely ruined the reputation you've built up with your fans over the last three or four years. They got Poole, they got Kaminga, and now look where they're at. Even if Golden State does not pan out this year, they have guys that other teams look at and say, talent, I would like that. Here's a pick. At worst, at worst. A lot of that really happened. To be fair, they they did kind of milk those injuries too to be able to tank and get those some of those. We we couldn't do that. I mean, like this is like this is like this this was pride. They they have too much pride. They won't do it. Which is and Harry Harry brings up an elite point, which I don't think enough people are talking about. I'm not talking about it either. I'm one of those people. But everyone is upset that the Heat did not add anyone, as we all are. But if they knew they weren't going to do that, Harry, you bring up a good point, and, and that's fine. Then you should have sold. We're not talking about enough how. Struess and Vincent are on this roster when we don't know if they're like if they're just going to walk for nothing, for nothing. And you can't tell me Struess and, and Vin, you can't tell me Vincent wasn't getting Vincent would have gotten three firsts for his point of attack defense man from a contender three seconds I'm sorry not first seconds would have gotten three seconds for Gabe Vincent I think so from a team that needed that defense Struess too I mean I don't know how that's not done when you see a trend like when the whole league is waving and, and even guys like us on social media are seeing the trend. You know, word, words of the day are second round picks and the heat can't identify that and switch plans and pivot. It just, it feels like they are behind. They are moving slower. They are processing things slower. Like not to make an old Pat Riley joke, but like, seriously, that's how it feels. It feels like the old aging front office. It feels like all these jokes are true that we are behind. Like there's a reason why that fake article of Pat Riley being literally asleep at the deadline went viral. And half of the heat Twitter fan base was like, are we for real right now? Because that's how that's how from the outside perspective it legitimately looked. The, um, the other point, yeah. Alex, and I just and I know uh, I know that George is going to talk about it in a bit, but like the Heat keep finding these guys. Like 
there are going to be more Struces. There are going to be more Vincents. There are going to be more Orlando Robinsons. Um, you know, they found a good, a decent guy who's a ten-way, uh, a ten-day player, who looks, who looks to be fairly decent. So, they're going to keep finding these guys because that's what they become. <laughs> that's what they become really good at. Um, so you have to sell these guys when there's value. If you could have sold Struce for two second-round picks to a Minnesota team that wanted him. Absolutely, you shouldn't even think twice because the problem is if you sign him back to a contract, even if it's reasonable, if his if he stays uneven the way he's played this year, that's a harder contract to move. They're valuable when they're not making a lot of money and they're simply um, a guy that you can add to a playoff rotation. That's why I wanted Duncan moved all those years ago. You attach him to Iguodala's contract and he would have been gone and out of our lives forever. But um, yeah, they just have to stop doing this. I don't know if it'll ever change. I'm, I'm getting a little, uh, feeling a little hopeless about it, but I, I hope they recognize it and they start to start to sell these guys. Sometimes it's not, you're, it's not always about competing because those first second round exits aren't going to mean much if these guys leave for nothing. No one's going to remember you that you lost in the first or second round because you put up a good fight. No one's going to remember at all, but they do need, so, some injections of fresh life and uh, someone that George is really, really huge on a brand new segment on the show called Jamari Jamboree. What we're going to do is we're going to toss to George and let George just ramble on for 15 minutes about Jamari Bouye, his hairline, his jump shot, his, his great touch in the paint. George, I'm tossing to you now. Go off on your thriving Bouye agenda. Very rarely in recent history have the hate on somebody. That I look upon with favor. Yeah, shut the fuck up. We're not doing this. You no. Jamare Booyah. No. Is the next Kyrie Irving. He's the without, next Kurt Cobain shotgun, the, is what he without is. It's not happening. The controversy. He is the next big thing. He's the Skyforce MVP. He is the MVP of this team as Three soon points. as he steps on the floor. Three points is all he had. I don't care. I don't care. Because he's a guard that can defend with a bad hairline. He is my favorite guard on this team right now, besides Gabe Vincent. And the fact that he's now learning under Gabe Vincent is perfect. I could not be happier. He is everything I wanted from a 10-way player, 10-day, 10-way, 10-day player. Oh, you're just showing how much you really appreciate him and how much you value him. He's a 10-way player. He affects the game in 10 different ways. He is all NBA, all elite, all world. And I'm just joking. Okay, this is the the truth about my ugly Jamara Bouye agenda. He was rotting in our G League for so long. He just sat there game after game after game, putting up numbers after numbers. And we were still giving opportunities to players like Duncan Robertson. I know we had paid him and we're obliged to give him opportunities, but still he was there. Max Struess was shooting 14% from three or 22% or something like that from three for, for months in a row. He was still getting opportunities. Gabe Vincent was having a down year, but he was still getting opportunities. You know where I'm going with this. But Bouye was putting up solid numbers and was showing promise, and we did not even look to his direction until we traded the the bane of my existence, Dwayne Deadman himself, the undertaker, the mechanic, the man himself. He's gone. So we had to sign someone. And we got him in, and he has looked okay. He's looked okay. 
I'm not saying he deserves a contract. I'm not saying he deserves another 10-day. I'm just saying he's looked okay. On the defensive end, he's sound. He can do a job. Offensively, he needs a lot of work. But I would be happy with him being the 13th or 14th man on this roster over certain players on this roster already. I would rather him be there. So he just needs to keep improving, needs to keep doing what he needs to do, developing under a player like Gabe Vincent, which is perfect because he's... Vincent's a step ahead of him, ahead of him in, in several categories. But if you can kind of hone in on his skills on the defensive end and also develop his offensive game, you can make him into a productive player coming off your bench. I'm not talking about six man. I'm talking about further down the roster, but at least he'll be there. So when I have to watch my team lose game after game after game or, or win by one against rebuilding teams, at least let's develop some talent. Let's do something that a rebuilding team would actually do, which is develop talent. I think that he's got something. I think that Jamar Bouye has got something special. And I think he could be a good player coming moving forward. I really do respect your opinion, even though I could not disagree with it anymore. What what Jamari Bouye is for you in a positive sense is what Orlando Robinson is like for me in the most antithesis, like antithesis way imaginable. I hate it. And I'm not going to let you. That was the first and only segment of Jamari Jamboree. It's never coming back unless like a thousand people tag me on Twitter and say that they want Jamari Jamboree. Show him we'll respect. Party. We'll throw a little pizza party with Jamari Jamboree. That's what we'll do. But now... We actually go uh, – we'll, we'll toss over to Alex. George got his segment. We're going to go over to Alex now for the carnival counter because we want clear-cut answers as to why Miami didn't make any moves at the deadline. And I think Alex has a really, really good answer as to why no moves were made. And all you have to do is look at the stock, the stock price of Carnival Cruises. So, Alex, well, why don't you do us a favor and uh, educate us? Ladies and gentlemen, if you can believe it or not, Carnival Cruise stock is down. You don't say. It's been down um, about two years now. And every single day, believe it or not, it somehow gets a, just a little bit worse. Down another 4% today. Mickey Harrison selling tickets 50% off. Um, FTX. Building still does not have a name on it. Still does not have a name on it. We haven't even heard rumors that there will be a name on this building. Ladies and gentlemen, Mickey Arison in the grand scheme of the NBA landscape ownership in sports is fucking broke. This man is closer to the 2% than the 1%. We are no longer here. Um, I don't know what happened because we used to be the team that spent, that got you to come to Miami, that had you live in luxury. I don't know what we're doing anymore. Um, the buyout market is something we're going to get into, and that's what everybody, if you're, if you're quote-unquote not a negative, miserable fan, pivoted to, was everybody, obviously, championship teams are made and championships are won in the buyout market. And this team has an opportunity to add a guard and a center. Oh, wait, Barry Jackson, like Threat likes to say, is the mouthpiece of the Miami Heat, is saying they can only add one of them. They're only even interested in adding one of them, giving out one more contract, literally just replacing De Dwayne Dedman's money with somebody else. Not actually raising the amount of money Mickey Arison has had to put into this team. They are just literally trying to give Dwayne Dedman's contract to Kevin Love. That is what they are trying to do. Does that win a championship? Can someone find me the NBA team that won a championship from the buyout? 
Is that is that what we look back to? Is that what we lead with the next day after the NBA Finals? Thank God that the you know the Golden State Warriors added somebody at the buyout. That's why they won, not because of Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Hall of Famer, head coach, elite front office that goes into the luxury tax because of the buyout market. And we are now at the point that I would like to remind Heat fans, and this is where I get, I'm starting to get passionate, man, here, because we talked about this on the basement stream right before the deadline. People were laughing. We said, a lot of people said, they're not going to make any moves. They're going to make zero. And now we've pivoted to they're going to dominate the buyout market. They're not going to win the buyout market either, guys. They're not. They are not going to get Russell Westbrook. They're not going to get these other guys. They might get Kevin Love because he lives down here already. They might, but it's not a sure thing. It's not. If LeBron James can get Kevin Love, you think he's going to try and do it? Like, they're, they're like again, and Harry, you bring up a great point. What championship are we winning? Take Phil Jackson's theory, for example. A team to win an NBA championship needs to get to 40 wins before it gets to 20 losses. The teams that have done that are the teams you think can win a championship. The Nuggets, the uh, Celtics, the Bucks, and if I think if Philly wins three straight games, they can get there even though they're frauds. We're not even close to that. Why would you, if you're Kevin Love, if you're Russell Westbrook and any of those teams, I guess more likely Kevin Love than Russell Westbrook, offers you to go onto that team, I am not coming to the Miami Heat when I already live in Miami in the offseason. Like, this is where we're at now, man. A lot of these dudes live in Miami in the offseason. They don't need to play here. They're already here. They're already here for the important parts, man. So it's it's getting concerning, and I'm, I'm starting to think that Mickey Arison is the number one problem with this team. And I have been saying it's the front office, but I, I, I do believe that even if the front office wanted to do something to fix this, I don't know if they have the financial means to do so. And the way I'm being so serious here, the way Carnival Cruise is going, the way Mickey's financials look from just an outsider perspective, I genuinely believe he might need to sell the team. How many years can his number one business, Carnival Cruise, go into the toilet? We are seeing on Twitter people who are loyal to this team not redeeming their season tickets. This product is boring. Like, that's not just something people are saying, man, because we don't like the roster or we don't like the win losses, you know, or whatever it is. This team is genuinely boring. It is a boring product to watch. It is not an entertaining basketball team. Like, I don't know how they're going to expect to maintain this attendance, how they're going to maintain all of this stuff that they think. So, I don't know, man. They are handicapped and they won't make the moves to do it. And again, for them not to be looking to add both a big and a guard to me is insane for Barry Jackson. And they're getting notice how far ahead, not to rant here as I am already, but like, like, do you notice how far ahead the heat are getting ahead of this shit? Now they know how pissed the fans are. They know they're upset, but before, like, as soon as the rumors start the heat don't even wait anymore, they go right to Barry Jackson and Barry's like, they're not interested. Don't get your hopes up. They're broke. They're only looking at one of the two guys. Like they're not even allowing it anymore, man. They're not. I miss the days when it was heat Photoshop season. When under every post you were like, come to Miami, Photoshop, Bradley, all these guys, whoever it is, man, because this is tough. This is boring. And I, I really am starting to believe that Mickey Harrison's financials are playing a bigger role than people think. Before George jumps in real quick, I just wanted to say, yeah, I, I feel bad for anyone out there that still believes what, what, what this team is saying right there, because it, it's, it's a, it's a crock of bullshit. Honestly, the fact that they're trying to get out ahead of it and say, no, we didn't even want Russ. We actually got some, uh, some questionable information back. What questionable information? You've seen that man play. You know what he is. It's for 23 games. No one said you have to resign him. This team's boring as shit. They score 108 points per game. They need some kind of entertainment. Put butts in seats. 
Russ would do that, but again, but the only thing I'll push back on, Alex, is I look back very fondly on the 2012 Miami Heat Championship run and realize that they couldn't have done it without signing Ronnie Turioff. So that's all I'm going to say on that. Whoever else wants to jump in there, I think George had to say something. Or Harry does. Um, so two things I was going to say. I think the best move in a buyout, I was look, I was just looking recently, a name came to mind, so I did a little Googling. Um, the Spurs added Boris Diaw in 2012 uh, after he was waived by the Bobcats. So that's the name for you. Um, so again, the Heat won the championship that year, but this, you know, that was a great series. Spurs took it to seven and then kicked our butt the year after. So that's probably the last time like a buyout had any type of real impact, like deep impact on a playoff team. I think, um, I might be missing some guys, but that was the first one that came to mind. The other thing with this team. And I got confused today when they're saying like, they don't need a guard. They only need a big, like, did, did they watch the game last night? Did they see how many guys are out or not playing? Um, Hero's got another lower leg injury, though. He's fine to fly to Utah and shoot some threes, so good for him, and I hope he wins it. Um, you know, Victor Oladipo, another unfortunate – I don't know if it's – you know, if they're resting. They just wanted to rest him a bit, but supposedly he has an ankle injury. Um, Gabe had missed – what? Gabe missed like a week or so earlier in the season, and they were like, it's a lingering thing, so they had to sit him for a while, so they couldn't go back-to-back, um, you know, sitting him out every other game. So while they have some guards, the it's not like they're the healthiest bunch. So I don't really think that he can be picky. So I'm hoping, not hoping, but I'm guessing it's more that the the guys aren't that interested. And this is their way of saying, uh, yeah, we don't need a guard. Like I'm I'm guessing they're getting a lot of no's and hoping that's not the case. But they should be signing two. They gave up a second-round pick to dump Dwayne Dedman and get $4.8 million under the tax. They should be signing two guys to fill the roster spot. They already have one roster spot and a guy who I hopefully will never have to see again after this season. Uh, he just doesn't do anything. And we need to move on from Udonis Haslam. So on after this year, though. We can at least find solace uh, in that. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Like You, you finally aren't pressed with the tax. Um, they would have a little bit more money. You know, they have the entire four, they have 4 million of the middle level exception to play with, which means they could offer more money to a Kevin Love, offer more money to a Russell Westbrook that other teams cannot, both because they're past the tax and they don't have those options. Um, and that's what they should be doing. They should be, whoever they like, they should go after them and say, hey, this guy would be a great addition to our starting lineup. Here's the money we have. Let's get this done. You can start, right? I don't, Whoever we bring in would start over Gabe to me. I like Gabe, but Gabe would be fine coming off the bench. And we need a starting force so we can push Gabe to the bench. So they should do what they can to sign Love. I like the fit. And even if it's not, you know, even if Kevin Love is, you know, three to four years past his prime, he still does what they need. He can rebound and he can shoot threes. And like you guys are saying, I'm not a big Russell Westbrook fan. I don't really see the fit for this team. At this point, who the fuck cares? Facts. Who cares? Um, if you get a guy that can get a, get us three fast break buckets a game, that's a plus. If you get a guy that can get uh, some guys some open looks and maybe they can convert, that's a plus. If you get a guy that can get to the basket, even though he's obviously not getting to the basket the rate he used to, that's a plus. Like a guy that can dunk the basketball. A guy that can. We don't jump, have any. <laughs> a guy that can jump off the ground and land near the basketball hoop. I like it. Um, let's just stop pretending that we need to be so picky. Like. The team's chances are not good. They don't get significantly better with these guys. But what's what are you losing at this point? You're like, 
if they pocket <laughs> if they pocket that money and they don't use it, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, on the next pod with Alex being like, we need to do something like because it needs to be spent. They they cleared the room to do it. They have two roster spots open. They can figure out a way to get George's guy on one of the two ways because he should have the, one of the two way spots. Shut up! Stop feeding into it. Um, more, but, <laughs> but, more. But that—that's where we're at, and I think it's very stupid when people are online saying, "Man, I don't know about this. I'm not sure about the fit." Yo, fuck you! Like we, we need these guys, and if they were, if their move is to waste a second round pick to dump them, and they better have a plan. So. I'll give them till the end of March. That's kind of when everyone would be would be cut by. But they need to figure this out. And we're tied with the Knicks in the playing game right now. There's just I think Harry might have cut out there, but to finish his thought though, th- why is it such a bad thing for this team to get any kind of talent? Any kind of basketball savant talent. Because the the last couple of nights, I know injuries have been tough, but the last couple of nights, boys. We've had we've charted out full blown five man undrafted lineups. That's not okay for prolonged minutes. It's not okay. We need to have some kind of invigorated talent. Russell Westbrook, he's not what he was. He is talented. Kevin Love, old, still talented. At one point, I, I, I refuse to believe that these guys can't offer you the same exact, if not better, output than what we're already getting from the undrafted lineups that we're getting. Cause it just is what it is. So as we dive fully into the buyout market now, or George, you want to jump in real quick? I just want to tie in all the arguments and put them all together into one. I just, I just want to have my say because for so long, they called people who have any sort of different opinion, uh, heat haters, people that don't know ball, you, you know, you, you hate the team, go follow the Mavericks, something like that every single time. Let's flip the narrative a little bit. We're looking towards the future. We're looking towards new championships. And you're stuck in the past. You're not the fans. Go follow the Dolphins. Go follow the Sacramento Kings. Honest to God. Heat culture, this whole heat culture stuff, I like the Twitter handle. It looks good on paper. Is the worst thing to happen to Miami Heat fandom since... The, t- the cutting of, of Mario Chalmers 10-day contract. That is what that is. It has got us into a complacent place where we don't even know where we're headed. We've got people saying, we don't need this player, we don't need that player, we don't need this player. And to round off the point, you're right. Fuck you. We need players. We need people who can shoot we need people who can dribble we need people who can facilitate we need people who can rebound we need this and at the same time this is not 2015 these players aren't going to be i know what you're trying to like yeah it's fine to get them in 2015 Sergio barker kevin love russell westbrook these are the names you know these are big names even Sergio barker was playing unbelievable defense if you're going to go get someone just bring them in they're not going to give you championship aspirations. That's, but that's what he culture has done. It's either gotten you on one side of the fence, sitting there saying we don't need them. We've got, we've got enough. You know, we we shouldn't buy these players. On the other side, it's 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 gotten people so down bad and so upset that saying that these moves will make you a winner. Getting Kevin Love 
and signing a John Wall if he becomes available or a Russell Westbrook or a Serge Ibaka might be what it's not. I saw a post yesterday saying um, the Heat are consistent three-point shooting away from being you know, a championship contending team. The sky is blue. Grass is green. No shit. But you don't get that by sitting there and hoping to God that Max Schroes pulls off a 9 of 15 three-point shooting night every single night. A 7 of 10 from Duncan Robinson. You know, a 5 of 6 from four or five other players. You're not going to get that just by sitting on your hands. It's about trying something. The whole argument about you're not being a fan because you're not buying into what is happening is a joke. That is a ridiculous narrative to have. Heat culture should be about winning championships. The Heat have never won a championship by signing undrafted talent and by by signing two-way players and by p- p- bringing in you know 10-day contracts to try and win them and, and, and signing undrafted guys to, to big contracts and trying to get them to play well. This is not the Aces. I've seen Moneyball. This is not that. We do not have Jonah Hill and and whoever the other guy was. I forget his name. Uh, you know, in our Brad front Pitt. office. Brad Pitt, that's the one. In our front office trying to sign undrafted guys with bad elbows and stuff. I don't know. I've only watched it once. But in the same time, the Heat, when they've won a championship, have gone out and have signed the guy. In 2006, it was Shaquille O'Neal to back up Dwayne Wade. And we all know Dwayne Wade carried in the finals. He was the only player to average over 13 and a half points a game. Was Dwayne Wade. He was the guy. In, tw- in, in the LeBron James era, is called the LeBron James era because we signed the best player in the world, arguably. We already had Dwayne Wade. And then we signed Chris Bosh. And then you signed two-way guys. And then you sign undrafted players. And then you sign that. You you fill out the roster, your 13th, 14th, 15th, you know, 15th spot with these players. That's what you do. You don't win championships by this, by signing the Duncan Robinsons of the world, by signing the Jamara Bouyers, by giving Max Struess, and I know, I know, it goes against everything I've said, but still, and signing Max Struess and giving him 36 minutes a night, it's not how you win championships. So by sitting there and telling me I'm not a fan and we're not fans because we question some of the moves, that is ridiculous. That is cult thinking, hive mind. That's what that is. So before you go around saying, oh, but look, you know, we trust everything Pat Riley does and we trust every, everything Andy's doing and, and, and Mickey, you know, is doing everything right. It's just not true. No one's ever gotten it 100% right. Teams who won the championship still don't get it 100% right. Yeah, the end goal's there, but there's still ways you can improve. So, you know, I look to this team and say, if you're not going to win with this core, if you don't believe in it, if you're not 100% dedicated to signing the guy to bring this to the next level, look forward. Look towards the future. I'm not saying rebuild. I'm not saying um, I'm not saying blow it up in every way. I'm just saying look towards the future. If this isn't the core you're going to win with, start to make moves. Because the whole narrative around this team is that, you know, we, we might have, you know, we're one shot away. But look at the bubble. But look at this. It's too many buts. Too many and ifs. It, it, it just can't be that way of thinking anymore. It's got to be look towards the future. Because I, I guarantee you, if Jimmy Butler was available at the trade deadline, if we look towards the roster and say, you know what? We don't have enough. And it's going to be too hard to get off these contracts and to build a championship roster around them and to compete. You could have absolutely got the haul, the bag, 
the entire war chest of teams to get yourself a Jimmy Butler because it's a buy and sell market. It is the supply and demand. It is it is just the laws of economics. When there's a player available in a short amount of time, people will pay overs. But you've got to do it the right way. You can't do what what the Nets did with Kyrie and and and, and Brooklyn because you see what happens when you get an an unsettled uh, player base. You get nothing for them. You get less because I, I'm sorry the the Kyrie, you know, two picks Spencer Dinwiddie and and Dorian Finney-Smith. That shouldn't be ever. Should, that should never ever be enough to get a Kyrie Irving. Phoenix gave up close to nothing. I know Miles Bridges went off, but he's just not enough to get. You know, should never ever be enough to get Kevin Durant as the main piece of that trade. So I don't know. I'm gonna say I know what you're gonna say as well. The picks were the main pieces, but he was they the were. main player. But I I do think that I I've been critical of Spo, but you're right. Like at some point you do need to add talent to the roster. Like you said, you went and got the best player in the world, LeBron. Those players win you championships. We've seen what Spo's done with no talent. So I just to the people that are a little you know bashful on Twitter of going out to sign some of these guys, even though they're a little bit past their prime, or in some cases a lot past their prime. It's still talent. It's still basketball knowledge that this team doesn't have, and it's it, it shouldn't be that complicated. Something else that shouldn't be that complicated is insurance. You can give our boy James Pugh a nice little phone call, and then he'll be able to come get you the best insurance you ever had in your entire life. It's a primary sponsor of the basement, Simba Health Advisors as well. You can give James Pugh a call at James Pugh at Simba Health Advisors. Com. That's his email, not his call, his phone number, but his phone number is 321-345-7738. You can give that man a call and he will get you the most uncomplicated insurance that you've ever had in your entire life. Now we move on. Strictly the buyout market, though. It was reported, obviously, that Miami would be heavily focused on the buyout market after they swung out at the deadline. Or maybe they just they weren't even interested. Who really knows? But that's silly to me as a narrative because the buyout market is usually for top-heavy teams that have all the salary up top, like the old Miami Heat where they had Bosh, Wade, LeBron, and then you'd fill it up underneath with your buyout market players or your two-way players or your undrafted players. Miami this year is the exact opposite as they're a bottom-heavy team that just it needs an invigoration of some kind of experience or youth because they're getting older. It's just, it, it, it's really, really tough to look at the way that a buyout would, would necessarily help the way that what they want to do because they won't pick a, a real direction. And that's what frustrates everybody, right? That they're not picking an actual direction, but you have to deal with the cards that have been dealt, what you're looking at in front of you. And that is that they're saying they'll be active. Like Harry said too, they have room for two players. Are they already juicing up the fan base to be like, Hey, listen, we don't like what we saw anyway. We're just going to roll with one addition to fill Dwayne Dedman's role, which is hopefully Kevin Love anyway. But they're looking at Russ. They, they got back bad information, which really just translates to they don't want to get him anyway, or that, that, that he doesn't want to be here anyway. He'd rather be in L.A. He'd rather be anywhere else. I know Washington Wizards. I don't know why they would even be interested in him anymore either, but that's neither here nor there. Well, let's look at other potential buyout candidates because they need help in the front court. We saw Kevin Love. Apparently, Serge Ibaka they're interested in. Who That, that dude is a fossil. I, I don't understand – I get they're slim pickings, but at the same point, it's like have some shame at some point. I want to toss right back to George because I want to go around the horn real quick before we close. A name that George brought up in pre-show that really, really interested me was Goran Dragic because the Bulls have opened up a roster spot. Signs are pointing to that Goran might get waived. I hope he waves back. 
I just want. That was a terrible joke. George, you shouldn't be laughing that hard. It wasn't that good of a joke. Um, I, I do hope he waves back, though. And, and I hope that Miami's at least interested in that. George, have you composed yourself enough to go a little bit in on Goron and what the addition like that would? Are you more swayed on a buyout addition of Goron than some of these other players that we've mentioned? I'm just, my vision is blocked by the fat boulder that is Kyle Lowry's contract. And jersey number. And uniform size. That's what that is. I, I'm I'm very upset at the fact that there's thirty million dollars sitting. It just makes me sick. But at the same time, Goran Dragic may become available. It's not confirmed yet, but if he was to be available, there's nothing that screams heat culture like the return of a legend. We did it with Mario Chalmers. He didn't play a game, which makes me sick to my stomach. We could have just played him for five minutes, let him lace it up and get on the court. But that's just old news. Goran Dragic would play. Goran Dragic probably doesn't start because Gabe Vincent's there. But they still would play him. And he would be a welcomed addition and a welcome side back for Sore Eyes. That's what he would be. Because he was treated terribly by the Raptors fan base and by the Raptors themselves to not play them. He, he didn't get anything. He didn't get anything done. So to bring him back wouldn't be that bad. There's another name I want to put out there as well. Is Will Barton. Will Barton is an exceptional player. He's a good player. He's not special. He's not overly talented. But he gets stuff done. And I'd like to see him there. These are the names I'd like to, you know, that, that are there that I would like to look at. That I'd like the team to look at. If you need a four, go take a, you know, a punt on, on Dario Saric. Do something. Move. Harry, if you wanted to get in, what are your thoughts on Goran? Do you like him better than a Russell Westbrook just for the sentimentality of it all? Or would you rather just go for the more talented player? Um, well, I think you owe it to the team to probably do more talent. But if Goran got waived, um, I think you would – even put in a waiver claim and get his bird rights. Oh, sorry. He wouldn't have bird rights. Cause he just signed with them. Never mind. Um, I would take Goran back for sentimentality. I don't know what he offers much anymore. You know, there's other guys that probably work better, but I was looking and their shooting numbers. Aren't great. Like a Pat Bev or, um, a Reggie Jackson or something like that. Um, I kind of like what George was saying. I think in the front, you need a front court guy. So it's gotta be, it's probably Kevin Love number one and Ibaka, even though he's looked really bad in in Milwaukee. Um, and then I think you just need to get the best available guy you can get, um, a wing or a guard or whomever you think can make a couple threes for this team. Um, I wouldn't understand. No offense to Orlando Robinson or even Jamari Bouye, who I also like. Um, I do not think. I do not think either of those guys um, getting a contract now makes a ton of sense. You can always sign them next year when you're going to need cheap contracts anyway. Alex, tossing you real quick. Who who on the buyout market intrigues you the most? It's It's got to be Kevin Love. I think he can actually make a real impact on this team. Him and Bam make a lot of sense. They like each other. He actually fits their mantra of like staying in shape keep grinding he understands what it takes to win in big games he's hit big shots before i actually really do like the fit 
of Kevin Love, and I know his contract was weird, and that's why they're buying him out, but I was honestly pretty shocked to see him leave Cleveland considering they're good, and he's been there for a long time. I did not expect him to be out there. Um, so if you can get Kevin Love, I think he'd be the best. The thing with Russell Westbrook that I think about is just him actually attacking the rim, playing fast. He gets. I think he can get banned the ball. I know it's super erratic, though, so I don't know. I think it's just more entertaining than anything. Goron is was intriguing when I first heard it off camera when, when George was saying it before we started recording. And then we kind of looked into some of Goran's stats and I was like, uh, you know, he's not having a good year. Uh, he's not, he's not good. Like, but then again, like Lowry, you should give him his seven back if he comes here. So that, that should happen again. Like, I don't, I don't know if Goran is better than Gabe Vincent. You feel me? Like, I don't know. I actually, I'd probably lean right now towards no, <laughs> like he's better than Kyle Lowry right now. Take emotion out of it. Just straight up, in your honest opinion, do you think that Goron this year, coming back to this team, would actually do more than Kyle Lowry? I actually do, because Kyle Lowry is straight up doing nothing. And it's not even because he's not playing right now, but literally like the weeks leading up to the deadline, he wasn't even taking shots. He's not making moves. He's not good defensively anymore. He sometimes draws these charges, but he's not closing games. So I honestly view him and Goron in the same tier. And when you take the money factor into it, you have to take Goron. Um, I think Goran will take way more threes than than we've seen Kyle take this year. Um, Goran's got some craziness to his game. Like, I don't know where he's at, but I know him going downhill with his left. That was still really tough. He hit some crazy threes. Jimmy likes him. Will, you know, will that get Jimmy out? Like, if you told me bringing in Goran gets Jimmy back in with this team, back in, uh, you know, like night in, night out, he's going at it because he's having fun. Like, I would tell you to do that to just boost team morale because it really feels like this team doesn't like playing with each other and there's everyone's just walking on eggshells. So maybe even for that alone, you bring in Goron, but I think we have a higher chance of getting him than Russell. I, I bet you if Goron's on the open market, he comes back. I, I would be, I don't know what other team would take him. I don't know what other team, what contender is going to sign Goron. I know the Lakers have had interest in him for a couple of years, so I don't know if they would, but they just had a D low. So I don't, I don't think so. I think Goron would come back. If I had to give my my two cents in it too, I think yeah, it's K Love number one. Like that's top priority, just because you're not you're not winning a championship this year with him anyway. But it's like it it is so moronically boring, like you said too, to a T of give us something fun to watch. And I, I do think uh, K Love would do really really good next to Bam too. It, just see Bam play with another more talented player than what Kelly Olynyk was when he was here too. And that's when you saw Bam really take his leap initially in Jimmy's first year. I, I think it just makes too much sense to not do it, which is probably why the Heat won't do it because they usually stare things in the face that make so much sense. And they just go in the opposite direction. But after Kevin, I would have to say, yeah, Goron would make more sense too, just from a Jimmy perspective too. It's not erratic like Russell Westbrook. They wouldn't have to change their offense up too much, even though they probably should. But just from a standpoint of like the point guard not taking over, over, just taking the jump shots that are there that Kyle kind of neglected to take. I think that would probably be the best, but so that was our first episode back in like a week or two or since the trade deadline. And now we won't talk to you again until after all-star break. So enjoy it. Hopefully Tyler Hero wins the three point shootout. He'll probably lose to Julius Randall because this league makes no fucking sense. My personal prediction. I act like I am so serious here. I think he will finish last. If he finishes below Julius Randall there, uh, Twitter's going to have too much fun. I don't just, want it to happen. I don't. I want Tyler to do good. You're right. Maybe maybe Randall's the one guy he beats, and he'll feel comfortable in Utah, but... He will. Tyler, like, 
I, I, we've talked enough about Tyler. I, I don't even have to do it. Tyler three point shooting. People know where I stand. It'll be it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It's the only reason I'm even going to tune in. Because Remember Bam in the skills competition? That was like a great All Star game memory. Bam like, will always be my Taco Bell skills competition champion. Like that was that was better than Demontis awesome. Sabonis always. That was so much fun. Because I remember Bam hit that three and, and people going crazy like, can we get some good positive heat memories back, please? It feels like George is losing that bet, by the way, so that we had in like the first episode of the podcast that you thought Bam would take more threes a game. And oh, yeah. And it's oh, been God. even less than that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's what we're all feeling. But, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys later when we come back. Um, our first show, we're going to spend the first 30 minutes talking about Matt McClung and the dunk contest. I think everyone's really going to want to hear about that. So thank you guys for spending some time talking to your favorite random scrubs. As always, take care and be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.